All right, welcome back to another episode of the Supermarketer Podcast, where we take AI and marketing, combine them together so that you can be a better marketer and a supermarketer. And today we have a supermarketer, Bernard Wong, who is the co-founder of ClearScope. Bernard, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for having me again. Wild, yeah. interesting times we live in. Absolutely. And and we are neighbors just two blocks away, but we're doing this remote. And and yeah, we're, we're in the same universe. So you are co-founder of ClearScope, which is what what's known at, on, on the website, A++ SEO content optimization. But can you walk us through at a high level what the tool is, what it does, and how people might find it beneficial? Sure. ClearScope is started as a content optimization platform. And what that means is that we helped people create high quality content for ranking purposes on Google. The more, you know, like in the weeds view is that we help you specifically recognize which entities or concepts are important for any given keyword or topic that you're writing about and give you a real-time AI-assisted editor that checks to see whether or not your content is covering the range of entities that are important. Okay. And then tactically from, from like a user perspective, and I've used it before with clients is basically like there's a gauge, a score for each piece of content, and then ClearScope suggests different keywords to use, different entities, how it can be optimized ultimately to be, you know, increase the number as high as possible. That's right. Yes. So we'll score you from F to A plus, you know, the, the classic schooling grading mechanism. And then we have a WordPress, Google Docs add-ons and plugins so that you can write in your favorite, you know, CMS or writer. From there, you know, we have been expanding our offering to include more of this real-time monitoring of content at scale. And that's to say that, you know, it's, we'll flag to say, hey, this piece of content, you know, a link broke or this page is 404-ing or the topical relevancy of the content you produced a year ago is not that relevant in comparison to, you know, what the SERP intent looks like mm. today. Yeah. So you started with what ClearScope was, and now actually I've recently taken a look and I think it's different than what it was when I looked before, but now you are featuring AI kind of front and center so that ClearScope is an AI powered platform to make it ridiculously easy to get more out of your content. We can't ignore AI and, and its impact on content, whether good or bad. What are your thoughts on that? What are you seeing in terms of how your clients or how brands just in general are doing with the changing landscape of SEO or SGE or BARD and, and how people are actually getting to websites? Yeah, I think this is a multifaceted question with a multitude of opinions, hot takes, and philosophical points to consider. But I think the best way that I can explore this with you is taking a look at what LLMs are doing at a high level, taking a look at what Google is doing at a high level and piecing together a narrative that makes sense in terms of where LLMs are going and where, where Google is going. So my take on LLMs is that it's essentially a very sophisticated autocomplete. Google, not Google, but LLMs are essentially saying that 
you know, these words have a high probability of following these other words, right? So first president of the United States, very highly likely followed by George Washington. And that's, you know, kind of how the LLM is able to construct sentences, paragraphs, so on and so forth. So where we've seen LLMs shine and be surprisingly good is within the delivery of short form content and ad copy. Because when you ask an LLM to create five sentences or a couple paragraphs, chances are the output is going to be highly confident or highly, you know, like similar and pieced together in a way that we as human beings think is surprisingly good. So that's kind of the state of LLMs. Before I go any further talking about the state of Google, I figured I'd ask you, what are what do you think is, you know, what LLMs are are good at and, and bad at? Yeah, I, I think it's kind of looking back at historical precedent and then synthesizing it. Basically, like you're saying, it's an autocomplete. So it might not have the intuition, it might not have nuance, it might not have emotion, but given strict parameters and instructions, text-based instructions, it is mind-blowing what it can produce. It, it, the, the magic is kind of like, it might disappear if you say it's autocomplete, but I think I'm personally like, th this is how I kind of started on my journey down the path of like AI and marketing is because I was doing everything manually. It was brute force. It was repetitive work. And I, I realized afterwards, I'm like, you know, earlier this year, I was actually like seriously hamstringing myself by not taking advantage of this. So regardless of the, the magic that happens under the hood, I think it is such a critical technology and it can help so many people if you use it in the right way. I'm not, not even talking about like the humanitarian potential crises of AI, but even just like if you're prompting it in the right way for your work as a marketer, I think that AI is is such a, an incredible thing to use. And that's why I wanted to do this podcast in general is to help understand or understand how these practitioners are using it. And then how it can be applicable to other marketers in the field. So yeah. I am, I am like, I, I love it. And I just think it's so fun because there's just like, there, there are new use cases, new technologies, new tools every day. Like I haven't even gotten to Dolly 3 that's in <laughs> ChatGPT, you know? Uh, but yeah, I, I think it's, it's amazing. Yeah, for sure. So I think one of the interesting dimensions of where we see LLMs and AI going is this heavy emphasis on preventing inaccuracies, hallucinations, creating fake news and output, right? A lot of people want to put rail guards on, on this AI to say, you know, cite your sources, you know, make sure that should you make this claim that this is indeed accurate and true and all of this stuff. And I think that that's where a lot of engineering and data science output within the field of LLS is going. So I bring that up because we wanted to explore how AI and Google are fitting together. Now, Google, on the other hand, is this massive index of known websites that have been published to the internet that Google has been able to access, understand, and want to serve users for any given topic or query that somebody might be looking for on the search engine. You can imagine then that Google has gone through a variety of evolutionary paths from its start with PageRank and over-reliance on backlinks now towards 
this more subtle emphasis on what Google has been calling helpful content and meeting the needs of the searcher and the search journey. So in essence, what Google wants to do is that it wants to give the answer to a question that somebody is searching for as quickly as possible and have them find what they're looking for and you know finish or conclude their search journey. Within that, Google produces a list typically of 10 you know, results on the front page, which could match what you care about. Now, what we've been seeing in recent development is Google really emphasizing this idea of searcher intent. And intent is generally defined by, you know, if I Googled backpacks, am I looking to research the top backpacks? Am I looking to buy a backpack? Am I looking to find out what a backpack is? And the way that Google is able to infer what my intent is, is that chances are sometime in the past, Google tried one article that was, what is a backpack? One article that was, you know, what are the best backpacks? And one homepage of Jansport as one of the leading, you know, school backpacks. And they said, okay, given these search results, what are users doing? Are they clicking on the what is a backpack? If so, how many of them? And what are they doing after they click on that result? And over time, you probably got what are the top backpacks and backpack brands themselves being you know, some of the top spots that show up for backpacks as a query. So in essence, right, Google is looking to very quickly give the user what they want for a given topic. What LLMs are doing is that they are very sophisticated autocomplete suggestions that more or less summarize what everybody already agrees upon is the answer to a question. And so we kind of see this convergence then of what LLMs are outputting and you know what search wants to give the end user. But in a lot of ways, Google has already figured that out and that's kind of why, why you see featured snippets show up, right? If a lot of people have agreed that the best time to, you know, go skiing in Colorado is, you know, January to March, then Google's calling that out in a featured snippet saying, you know, the best time to visit Colorado to go skiing is January to March. You see that in a featured snippet. And that's essentially what the LLM would tell you anyways. So, Therein sort of lies the problem with LLM, you know, generic commodity LM content creation is that it itself is simply summarizing what Google is already giving the end user and thus not adding any interesting or new perspective to the topic. Google is already serving content that is meeting the needs for those particular searches. So content that is produced by an LLM is not additive to the search experience. And I think that that's one of the biggest problems that we see as it relates to human, you know, kind of commodity AI content being pumped out for search purposes. It's generally nothing new, nothing additive to the topic that Google already understands and therefore, I think, sees trouble in rankings in that particular way. That said, I do think that 
human directed prompting in the right manners, right? Asking the LLM to pretend like they are a journalist who went through this experience and did that is actually able to then give your content more flavor and more experience. And I do think that, you know, we're seeing a lot of success stories that people are describing around, you know, that type of prompting to say, hey, you know, like, if we give the the LLM, you know, some more substance, then it's able to provide more substance back. Very interesting. So if I can just break that down or recap, at a high level, you're saying that generative AI adds no new content, nothing new. So basically Google stuck with the featured snippet that answers a query because the generative AI is just throwing a bunch of trash in the SERP, adds no value. But if you as a marketer are able to prompt it correctly, give it the right role, give it a, a background that might enable the experience, expertise, authority, and trust that Google's looking for in their to improve their user experience, then you might find ways to rank in the search engine results page. Yeah, I think that that's my general commodity LLM data. That said, I do think for very uncompetitive niches that exist, whether it's just a brand new market or just something with very little interest, whether that be because there's little commercial intent or little, you know, like audience size in that particular pocket. I do think LLM content produced from a commoditized, like what in a commoditized way will work because it there's just nobody that wants to compete for that kind of content. But, you know, if you wanted to rank for best credit cards and you asked L, you know, GPT to create an article on the best credit cards and you expect that to rank on Google, then yeah, you know, that's not gonna happen. Right, okay. Now, I would love to get into kind of like the, the tactical part of it. So that's that's interesting. I always gave ChatGPT a role, but never like as if you're a journalist in, in the experience to share in the writing. But can you share some of the other use cases? Like you're probably in ChatGPT or Claude all the time. How are you using it from a marketing perspective in your day-to-day -day work? Yeah, that's a great that's a great question. I think that one of the, if not the most defining factors of using an LLM in this particular case, ChatGPT and BARD stand out in my mind, using BARD or ChatGPT, is that it retains context. Google search, to a degree, you could argue, does retain context as well. And that's through personalization. And, you know, it's interesting when you observe it because should you Google a topic once, Google in that first Google of that topic will tend to give you more informational, more research-based queries. They might say like, oh, you know, what is an LLM? How do LLM works if I just Googled LLM? Over time, if you continue to Google LLMs, what I've seen happen with my own personalized search results is that it skews towards recommending tools and best practices and, you know, how to do it. And I think that that's interesting, but it not it doesn't like happen in the way that you know I'm conscious of. Whereas when I'm using Chat GPT and Bard, it's very easy for me to ask it to create examples. I think 
ChatGPT and Bard are really great and fantastic at examples. And, you know, a good concept that, you know, is top of mind for me is that, you know, I'm planning a trip to Switzerland and I can say, you know, give me a three-day itinerary for Geneva in, in Switzerland and it'll come out with a bunch of stuff, right? A, a very quick first draft. And I can look at it and say, okay, well, you know, some of these things are better suited for summer rather than say Christmas. So redo the itinerary with December or holiday season in mind. Mm -hmm. And then it'll come back out with more festive holiday suggestions. And then I might look at it and say, well, that's a lot of things to be done outdoors and it's going to be really cold. So, you know, like let's tone down the amount of out outdoor activities to, you know, better suit for potential inclement weather. And so I'm having this like back and forth where the LLM is taking into consideration the historical records of output that it's been giving me to then give me a more refined output based off of, you know, what I'm asking for next. And that is very distinct to LLMs that you're not going to get in search. And you're, you typically get that from interacting with a person, right? Like with a travel planner in this particular instance, or you could imagine if you're working with content creators by like saying, Hey, you know, like that, that angle doesn't make that much sense. You know, let's focus more on this angle and for it to then output examples like that. So I've been personally finding that GPT and Bard specifically are really great at first drafts, first passes, and anything that conceivably could be a template, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, you know, write a job description for a marketing manager, right? That's a template. The reason why it's so potent is because once it gives me the output, I can fine tune it by giving the interface more of what I'm looking for, or tell it to remove aspects of what I'm not looking for. And you wouldn't be able to get that through, you know, like a, like a search experience. So those are the cases where to sum it up, any, any output where the historical context matters a lot is where I'm seeing chat GPT and Bard really shine. Right. First drafts. I, I love first drafts. I actually do like Claude.ai more for that. I think the output is a little bit better, but I'd be curious to hear your prompt structure. So maybe I could start with mine and then you can critique it on, on where it is. And granted, I do sometimes get lazy, like, oh, it's a lot of text to type in. For that, I like text.blaze or, or .today as a URL, but it's a Chrome extension. Basically, it's a text expander so that you can say, hey, I'm just going to save like the about of ClearScope so that anytime I want to give in a new thread, ChatGPT some context on what I'm writing about, I would just do forward slash ClearScope. And then the whole text block that I've created about ClearScope and its target audience and its product and whatever, appears automatically. So nice time saver, and you also get better prompts from it. But back to the to the prompts. So say, for example, I want to write a first draft on how to rank for trips to Geneva in Google. So I would say, you you know, give it a role. You are a an expert travel agent and, you know, you outline the expertise. Then I would give it the uh, details, maybe, maybe the, the location, the date, the maybe where I'm staying, the neighborhoods I want to try. Maybe I'd add some context of what I like to do, what I don't like to do things on the bucket list, what I like to eat. And then I might say your, your goal is to create an itinerary. Or I, I guess we, if we focus around marketing like a blog post, how would you create your, your first prompt to get the most thorough and, and detailed first draft? 
Yeah, I think it really depends on the objective of the article or piece of content that we were creating. If it is for the purposes of ranking in search, I would say that I would prompt the AI to really generate a lot more of an experience and story, right? I'd be like, write me, I'd say, you know, pretend like you are a travel blogger. And then, you know, even more specific, you know, we, we'd probably want to know, you know, what niche we were operating in, you know, is it family friendly? Is it, you know, just unique off the beaten path recommendations, right? Like what is, what is the angle and brand that you're, you're writing for and talk about it in that manner. In this particular case, let's say that I am more of a, you know, indie travel blogger who makes recommendations on off the beaten path type recommendations, then I would go with that particular prompt to say, you know, you are a travel journal blogger that focuses on showcasing off the beaten path recommendations for the locations that you are visiting. And and then from there, I think we would want to really nail the intent of the the article. And I think that, you know, there's a manual way of doing it where you just simple simply Google, you know, things to do in Geneva, things to do in Geneva off the beaten path. And you kind of take a glimpse at, you know, what's ranking. You know, if we wanted to turn this more into a formula, then the Google's people also ask is fantastic. The related searches that Google puts at the bottom of, you know, a SERP are also fantastic. The bubbles that show up within the top next to your search, the like say like free or budget or like family friendly, Mm. they're actually, those are also fantastic. And so I take a look at those and then I would take all the people also ask, copy and paste them into my prompt and say, you know, write, you know, a recommendation list or a sample itinerary for a three-day travel plan to Geneva, make sure these questions are answered throughout the outline. And we would stay with outline, right? Like you want to write an outline Mm. with this, not this like full-fledged piece of content. Because again, right, you get this back and forth. So you write this outline, make sure that these answer, these questions get answered within the outline you know, the bubbles, you know, make sure that those bubble, you know, these as high level concepts are headings or are put within the piece of content, and then it would create an outline. And that's where that's where the working copy comes in, right? And if you look at it from outline form, it's a lot easier to really kind of detect or see the nuance of, you know, does this make sense? You know, is this valuable, you know, that that sort of thing. And then you can actually tailor it a lot better to be like, hey, you know, like, please remove suggestion for, you know, they're like not open, right? You can fact check it yourself. And that's kind of how I would go about approaching at least this exact scenario, which is to say that we're producing content for, you know, my blog, I'm a travel blogger, I focus on, you know, these kinds of things. And that's like the level of nuance that I would recommend at this point with you know, more of these like commoditized output LLMs like ChatGPT and BARD. Yeah, a couple of things there. One, the people also ask is a great suggestion. I think it, 
there's a feature in that in Ahrefs and SEMrush, right? Yeah, I think so. They just call yeah. them like popular Or maybe even clear questions. Yeah. Uh, but there is a Chrome extension detailed, the detailed Chrome extension where you can just kind of like pull it out automatically with a click, you know, one, two, three, four, five clicks deep and, and to get that. Or I think maybe even just ask Socrates or answer the public might address those. And then also another thing is that you can actually ask ChatGPT or Claude to suggest different assets or, or creative elements to include in the post. So say tables, charts, graphs, maybe images now that they have Dolly three in there and it might, you know, so I, I would say like, give me 10 ideas of, you know, tables, charts, graphs, images that I can include in the post to make it more personalized or stand out. And then you get a list and then you can say, look down that list. I like the idea of a table, give me a table, you know, with these columns and this information. And then you get that and then you can just include it in your post. So th those are some ideas. Also add more of that eat element to the post. For sure. For sure. Yeah. I don't know if travel blogging is exactly <laughs> the right paradigm here yeah. because this is something where, you know, you being in the photo, experiencing the experiences that, you know, are, are being recommended would go a long way. And this is also, I think, you know, if you're in search, you've probably heard it mentioned before, but this is also why the role of manual search evaluators kind of plays in search. Mm -hmm. So those of you who are not familiar with manual search evaluators, they're essentially an army of qualitative testers that Google employs to play Tinder with search results. And so you can imagine, right, Google will give a manual search evaluator a topic, like things to do in Geneva, and they will then present the manual search evaluator with a web page. And they'll say, does this meet the criteria that we are evaluating this content against? And EEAT came out of the manual search evaluator criteria or rubric. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that manual search evaluator, you can imagine, is going to look at your author bio. It's they're going to look at the photos that you're putting as your recommendations and they're going to say, OK, you know, does this look like Bernard or whoever wrote this piece of content actually did this? And does this like demonstrate experience, authority, you know, expertise, all that good stuff? So yeah. that's the qualitative way that Google has been able to train their algorithm and why, you know, certain things that you're saying generally, this is in the affiliate space, right? Where it's like best vacuum cleaners under 200 bucks. And it's just a stock photo of a vacuum cleaner, pros, cons, which are mostly stock you know, kind of pros and cons that you could get from reading Amazon reviews or something like that, you know, those sites are getting completely crushed because they just don't look trustworthy, nor do they look like the recommendations actually came from somebody who used the product or experienced the location or the whatever. So this segment specifically yeah like affiliates travel experiences is definitely going to be like the more difficult one to to fake if you will mm. with um, llms but i do think yeah it's still similar to how i'd approach it for you know things that are not so dependent on experience yeah yeah, yeah for sure
So you are you are a co-founder and bootstrapping a high growth SaaS company. You're a super marketer. I'd love to know more about the tools that you're using in, in terms of AI or automation, the prompts that you're using, how you think about it in order to extend your resources because you don't necessarily have limitless funds like a venture-backed competitor or, or brand. But how are you using AI you know, beyond ChatGPT and some of these things to become more more resourceful and more effective? Yeah, you know, I'm I'm trying to fit it into all kinds of different workflows, but in all honesty, I think it's been difficult. You know, I'm like one of those people who will have a chat GPT pinned to my Chrome and I'll like try to get my answer in that particular way. And in that vein, I, I do think it's been good for anything where typically I'm searching for a template or an example, or, you know, a first quick draft. I could say, give me a three-day itinerary for Geneva. I can say, give me, you know, a job description for a marketing manager in B2B SaaS. I can say, you know, ask it kind of very generic, like, kinds of things just to scratch my own itch. But then when it comes to, you know, my actual work and, you know, I can speak to kind of the front of the house, right? Sales, success, marketing. I, I've been finding it very difficult to weave it into, you know, my my day to day. I have tried it in the, you know, the LinkedIn has their like expert insights or something and you get to like nice. comment and co contribute a new, unique perspective. <laughs> so I found it easy to generate outputs that share, you know, why certain things in SEO, you know, matter or don't matter. But at the same time, if I just take the stock output that it gives me, those are like very meh kinds of answers, right? I, I've written half of the ones that I submitted personally, and the ones that I've written are the ones that people are engaging with, right? They're like, oh, yeah. yes, of course, that makes a lot of sense. Whereas I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that are gaming kind of the advice column that LinkedIn is, is offering at this moment. But yeah, I think that's been that's been difficult. You know, I have used, I think Contact Out is a, it's like a contact lookup service. It's, they're getting into the AI in that it's overlaying into my LinkedIn and I can click this, this little like icon and it's it drafts responses for me. But I don't really resonate with, with them. And, and I feel like people, people can like see through a lot mm. of like that, that sort of output. So if anything, it's almost like, yes, I do think parts of AI can help with automation, but in other ways, I think it's influencing the market into being less trustworthy of what's being written, you know, what's being said on, you know, digital platforms and, you know, like what we're, going down the the route of is is this other approach that's more like led right and hosting monthly and weekly webinars with industry subject matter experts where when they show up in person you know on a call you can trust them and you know that it's coming from their voice and their mm -hmm. you know their own expertise so if anything, yeah, we're leaning more into this idea that as a result of AI, written content is largely a commodity and overall people's 
like signal to noise or trust levels associated with content being you know distributed and produced is at its all-time low so instead right recognizing that's the state of the market and instead of playing into you know doing things faster you know quantity faster that kind of stuff it's almost like taking the opposite stance of saying okay well people still crave and desire you know like a genuine legitimate like you know subject matter expert is is like the flip side of the way that i'm thinking about ai is that it helps with some things but overall it's creating a distrust in content so how do we then fill that void with yeah with, with the true voice and and quality over quantity which is an interesting i think very valid approach now for sure now i would love to hear you know a lot of people are trying to still learn how to implement ai how to learn ai just for their own use cases what are what's your suggestion or your advice to a marketer who's trying to learn how to use ai in their day-to-day do you have any ideas on that or maybe following up on what you're just saying just kind of like don't no i i think it really depends on i you know i do believe that you know if your job is to write a bunch of ad copy for facebook or yeah like ai is gonna make your life way easier right i'm sure the sheets plugin for gpt makes a lot of sense where you can say okay given given this headline you know spin up a bunch of different ad copies and yeah you know that makes a ton of sense i do think that in other cases right i'm sure automation of certain things i i imagine a lot of people probably try to fill this with like chat and you know support I do kind of generally see how those fields like specifically support could be automated by AI if you have a good amount of training data on support tickets that were closed successfully and support articles that do give, you know, the user the answers to their problems. Mm. Then I do think that, you know, AI can basically take over that responsibility but yeah marketing wise i think it's really good for first drafts first ideas you know kind of getting like a v1 or you know v0.5 out the door and that's how i would use it more as this like assistant that helps me put down the nuts and bolts of like ideas and gets me started very quickly and then recognizing that you know, I still have to carry the ball to the end zone because, you know, AI can only go so far. Yeah, I agree. And I think actually we, we might be aligned in that, like using it for a first draft. So accelerating the, the process and, you know, the, the blank screen that can be so hard to address to start. And then also starting with outlines and you, you suggested creating templates from it. And I think that's a great idea. Thank you for that, Bernard. Of course. Now, yeah, where can we learn more about you or connect with you online and learn more about ClearScope? Yeah, I would say, you know, I'm, I'm pretty active on LinkedIn and Twitter. So Bernard J. Huang, I guess it's X now, active on X. And ClearScope.io is where our software platform resides. We are in the process of building out a ton more features to our platform, really helping the end-to-end in terms of your SEO content lifecycle, right? I would say we got our 
really distinct start in editing and optimizing. But now we're recognizing that topic clustering, you know, ongoing auditing and maintenance of content are aspects of the content team where people struggle with proactively identifying refresh opportunities and defending their content against this influx of commoditized content mm -hmm. in general. And you know, how do you know when your content is starting to fall behind or slip in terms of meeting the user's needs? is where we're finding you know a lot of success in terms of what b2b companies and online media companies are are looking for amazing so clearscope.io bernard j wong thank you so much for sharing your insights and expertise it's been a pleasure i appreciate it of course happy to be here yeah